Awesome. I want to just reiterate what Pastor Rach said and Pastor Geraldine this morning. Welcome to our visitors. Uh, you might be here this morning visiting. Welcome. It's great to have you. Uh, thanks for doing all you need to uh, in terms of social distancing, wearing masks, not singing, those sorts of things. If you've tuned in to our service and maybe you haven't done that before, I want to say welcome. Uh, thank you for tuning in this morning. I hope you are encouraged this morning. I hope you're reminded that God is the source of our hope, that he hasn't changed, uh, and that you can have hope today no matter where you are and what you face. With that being said, I want to introduce myself. Everyone here I think knows who I am, but at home you may not. My name is Nate, and along with my wife, Rachel, who was up here before, uh, we're the lead pastors of this incredible church. And uh, yeah, it's our privilege last weekend to be able to declare what we feel God is saying over the church uh, for the next 12 months. And that was, that was exciting. That was fun. I'm glad we all got to celebrate last weekend. That was good. Uh, but for those of you who didn't get a chance to see it or be a part of it, I wanted to take uh, the first little section this morning uh, to review our vision, uh, to remind us what God said. Who knows that the moment God speaks and we go to step out, uh, so often things come into our, our lives, sometimes unorchestrated or whatever, but they, they play a role of trying to distract or take back the Word of God. Right? We read about it in Scripture with the parable of the farmer and the seeds. As soon as seed is sown, what happens is that things grow up to try to choke off the Word of God in our life. Uh, and so, you know, we've had an interesting week not saying that it's been orchestrated by anything, it's just circumstances of life, but they have a way of choking off what God begins to plant and grow in our life. And so I want to remind us of what God has said, because I believe that irrespective of circumstance, God has a way of ensuring that, that what he has said over our house is going to come to pass. So last week we talked about the fact that we carry a particular DNA as victory. That just like kids who have the DNA of their parents, uh, those kids end up growing up into their own expression of that DNA, and that's the same for our church. That we have a certain DNA, but this is a generation where we are growing up into a new expression of what it means to be victory. And that came with some change in language. Uh, we felt like what needed to happen was a new wineskin, a new exterior, a new way we talked about our church, a new way we presented the values and the distinctives and those things. And so what we did was we, we launched, I guess, or we, we declared what we believe is the language that defines this generation of victory. And so we talked about our values, uh, the values that have always been a part of who we are as a church. They are those things that are intricate to our DNA. And we now, we now sort of talk about what is our very heartbeat, that those values have been, have been uh, condensed into three statements that we believe communicate the heartbeat of who we are as C3 Victory. And so if you haven't seen them, I want to let you know these are the three statements that communicate our heart. First one is our reason is Jesus. The second one is our mission is people. And the third one is that our goal is hope. And if you haven't seen that before, and this is the first time you're seeing it, there you go. That is the new heartbeat, the new expression uh, for C3 victory in this generation. I'm very excited about it. I love it. And, uh, and secondly, what we did was we put some new language around our cultures. We've always had some incredible cultures in our church, but we felt like God was saying they need some new language for this new expression in this new generation. And so we have, we have worked on how we describe 
how C3 Victory is distinct within our city and beyond. Okay, because as, as we said uh, over the last couple of um, occasions, Vision Gala, Vision Sunday, we are not removing our vision statement. We are still a life-giving church empowered by the Spirit to influence this city and beyond for the kingdom of God. Okay, but that, that's our DNA, but that looks different now. And so we need to ask ourselves, or we did ask ourselves, what does it look like to be distinct in this city and beyond? And these are the statements that describe what it means to be C3 Victory. It means that we are full of life. Okay, the spirit is a spirit of life. We are full of life. We are authentic, right? Where, where authenticity and realness trumps performance and presentation. We are faith-filled and bold. We're apostolic. We believe for the impossible and we take steps towards it, believing that we will see God be true to his word and his character. We are aiming for excellence. We believe that God deserves our best. He gave Jesus. Jesus went from heaven. He put on flesh. He came to earth, sacrificed himself on a cross. It was the greatest act of love, the, the, the zenith moment of giving of himself. And we believe that we, in return, should bring our best in every expression of the kingdom of God, whether it's our service or it's our life outside of these walls. We believe in aiming for excellence. And we believe in honoring. We believe that that's all around, that we should honor every person uh, within our community, that we honor leadership, we honor volunteers, and we do that in a way that is generous, and we do that in a way that is hospitable. And so that is what it means to be C3 Victory. Lastly, we felt it was imperative to communicate an image, if you will, that articulates the fact that we are more than just a church. We We are predominantly primarily, and will always centrally be a church, absolutely. But we're a church that, that branches out to, to build in, right? We, we reach out into the community so that we might build into the kingdom of God. And we have two really incredible aspects of C3 Victory that we want to articulate as, as much is C3 Victory as our church. And that is Ush and the C3 Victory Center. And so when, when, you, when you put them together with the church in the middle and the, the ush and the center coming out of the side of the church, what we find is we, we actually get what has always been the prophetic image and statement over our church, and that is that we are a spearhead in the city for the kingdom. And I actually believe that it's going to take being all three to achieve that. And so, and so you will notice on the new branding, on the new website, on our new app, if you haven't got it, please download it. It's, it's great. Uh, but you will notice that there is a new branding that has these spearheads and these, these arrows that have this spearhead attached because we believe that that is who we are and that we are all three. When we talk about C3 Victory, we are talking about all three. And so last but not least, what we did was we felt that to, uh, to be able to communicate all of that, we needed a statement, a single statement that defined C3 Victory in this generation recognizing that God did a powerful thing in the previous generation, but we believe God wants to do another powerful thing in this generation. And we wanted to be able to articulate what it meant to be a part of that generation and what we felt God was going to do in and through all that is C3 Victory. And so we have released a statement. It attaches to our name as a marker, as a, as a definition, as a definitive kind of statement over this generation, and that is that we are C3 Victory, a home for hope. And that is who we are. That is our vision to be that in our city and beyond. 
We believe that Jesus is hope. Hope isn't a concept. Jesus is hope. And we want to be a place that Jesus dwells as a, as a, as a location, but also individually, that Jesus would dwell in you wherever you go, that you would be a walking, talking home for hope as much as we are a gathered, physical, tangible home where the presence of God is able to be accessed and encountered. And so that was what we released over uh, the gala and also uh, over Vision Sunday last weekend. We also spoke about a whole series of strategic investments that we are intending on making across all three of those areas. And I would really encourage you to go to our website. Uh, Every one of those is written out and communicated in detail under our vision page. You can access that uh, by going to c3victory.org.au. You'll see our new landing page, which just on its own communicates that we are three uh, things within C3 Victory. Uh, But go and check that out. If you want to know some of the strategic stuff we're doing, go and have a look. Uh, It's going to be a fantastic year ahead, believing God's going to do great things. So that is our vision recap. If you missed it, now you've got it. Uh, Next year, can I encourage you to be either at our gala or in the house uh, and be a part of the launch of what God says over our church. This week, however, we, we want to take an intentional step towards moving into the season that God has spoken over our church. And I want to begin this morning, if I can, with actually reading two scriptures. Two scriptures this morning. If you've got a Bible with you, can I encourage you uh, to, to find the following Uh, The first one we're going to read should surprise no one. I promise we'll move on soon, very soon, soon and very soon. That was a great song. Um, Joshua, yeah, no surprises. Joshua chapter 5, verses 9 to 12, we're going to read that. Um, And then shortly after that, we're going to go to Matthew. So I'm going to give you a little bit of time right now. I'm going to have a quick drink. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 22. Put, put Put your finger in that spot. And then flick back to Joshua. We're going to start in Joshua, chapter 4, sorry, chapter 5, Joshua 5, Joshua 5, 9 to 12, Matthew 4, 18 to 22. Find those two now. I'm going to have a drink and then we're going to pray. Fantastic. All right. If you've got Joshua 5. 9 to 12, I'm reading from the New Living, Uh, it says this, it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. So that place has been called Gilgal to this day. And while the Israelites were camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated Passover. That, That right there, they celebrated, that's the season that we're in right now. And we need to understand that. We're in a season of celebration. They celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the first month. Who knows, 14 days, are really, they're really key at the moment. Um, we're going to celebrate on the evening of the 14th day. Amen, we're going to do that. It's going to be great. But it says here that the very next day they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. That is a key transitionary moment in the journey of Israel. No manna appeared on the day they first ate from the crops of the land and it was never seen again. From, so from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. That is, is an articulation of what it means to shift from one season to another. 
That there were certain things in one season that were never seen again in another season. That, there, that, that, that to transition from, from the wilderness into the promised land, there were things that had to change. There were, there were whole things that were good. Anyway, we're going to get into that. I'm going to go to Matthew before I start preaching. It's a transitionary moment. It's a transitionary moment. Matthew 4, Matthew 4, just so that you don't think I only read out of the Old Testament, it says this. Matthew 4, 18 says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing, happy birthday, Andrew, by the way. Andrew, throwing a net into the water. Here was his birthday on Friday. I missed it. I'm a bad friend. For they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too, and they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Interesting, another really key transitionary moment that we find that is required to be navigated well so that someone could move from who they were and what they were into what God was inviting them to move into. But there had to be change, all right? There had to be change. Let's pray as we dig into the Word of God. Father, I thank you so much that when all around is changing and up and down, you're not. I thank you that your Word is not. That your word is not chopping and changing. Your word is the same. Your word is a, a foundation. It is a rock. And God, I pray today that you would speak to us out of your word. That you would bring life into our soul, into our mind, into our heart, Father. In the name of Jesus. And everyone said? Amen. 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 Awesome. So I don't, I don't know about uh, what your history was in, in, in kind of in life. I grew up uh, for the most of my teenage years in Port Macquarie and um, what that meant was that uh, when you finished school you had really no choice, right? Port Macquarie is great now, they've got a university campus, they've got TAFE, they've got all kinds of things but when I was there they had none of those things and so if you, if you wanted to kind of do anything beyond school with your life uh, you just accepted that at some point you were, you were leaving home. And I know Rachel and I, we have this discussion quite often at the moment about our kids and when they grow up and will they move out. And I'm like, oh, they're definitely moving out. And she's like, well, but they, they don't have to like you had to. And it's true. It's true. I, I had to move out to go down to uni. And, and so what that caused in my life was a really distinct transitionary moment. Right? I remember um, my, my brother was already down um, in Newcastle, had a house, and the house I was going to move into was just around the corner from him, and it was right across the road from Newcastle Beach. Uh, and at that point in time, I, I, I surfed uh, almost every day, loved it, bodyboarded, by the way. I know that that's, in some people's minds, very different. You're not actually surfing. Um, but, but, you know, I was, I was pumped. Like, it was summer holidays, and I was like, I just want to get to Newcastle. I just want to surf. It's going to be awesome. Hang out with my friends. One of my best mates that I'd grown up with uh, during school, he was due to move to Newcastle at the same time, and, and we were uh, the three kind of amigos, as my mum would call us. We, we were getting back together, right? The squad was getting back together. And I remember mum was leaving for work uh, one morning, and I just said, I said, mum, when you come back, I won't be here. I'll be gone. I'm going. I'm driving today. I'm driving down Newy. I'm moving. I've had enough of Port Macquarie, and uh, I'm heading down. And um, 
I was so excited. I was so pumped about moving out of home and the whole idea of freedom and new. And I, I get to make all of my own choices. And, and at that point in time, I thought that that meant only good change was happening, right? Like I was only getting, I wasn't actually losing anything because when you're young, you don't realize how good you have it when you're at home and, and your parents are doing all sorts of things for you. I just, I just thought that that was a really restrictive environment. Can I just, just very quickly, I'm sure they may not be watching, but if there's teenagers watching right now, please hear me when I say the way you think about your parents and your home right now is probably not true. It's probably much, much, much better than you can ever dream. Don't rush away from that, okay? In about 10 years' time, you're going to be like, I wish I was back there. I wish I was a teenager having everything done for me all over again. So just, just hear me on that. Hear me on that. But moving out of home definitely brought with some benefits, right? Like I could choose... When I went out of the house, I could choose what I ate. I could choose. There were so many choices that came that were, that were good and beneficial. And I was pumped. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. However, the truth about transition is that it comes with both good that, that we get, but it also comes with certain things that perhaps are, are bad, um, just to use some really eloquent language. For instance, moving out of home came with the fact that, well, now... Now, although I got to leave all of the way that mum did things, I now had to do everything. I had to do everything. Um, I didn't get to choose not to cook dinner one night, you know. Like the option of, of the potential of not doing something was now no longer there at all. It was me or it was nobody, right? Like when the electricity bill came in, I, I had to find the funds to be able to pay my part of that in the share house. And, and that was a strict kind of steep learning curve on some of those things. The other thing I realised that changed in transition was not just, you know, there being some good things that changed and some, some bad things that changed, but there were some traditions. There were some traditions that I now realised I had the capacity to take and shape the way that I wanted, right? For instance, you take Christmas, right? When you grow up in your family home, the, the, the family tradition set the way in which you do that thing, right? So, so the way in which we did Christmas, we got some heritage that's Dutch. We used to do, uh, we used to celebrate um, uh, St. Nicholas, which I still don't really know what date of December it's on. Sorry, mum, if you're watching. I know it's sometime in December, and I know you put a slipper out under the Christmas tree, and you dance around the tree, and you sing this Dutch song, which I'm not going to sing, and you wake up in the morning, and there's chocolate in your Ugg boot, right? It's like, It's awesome. <laughs> I used to think it was awesome. But that was a tradition. And when I moved out, that was when, when Christmas arrived, I chose not to continue to do that which had been a tradition. And, and, and as you get older, you would know, those of you who are newly married, one of, the, one of the really fun things to do is talk about, hey, what's Christmas going to be like for our family? What's Easter going to be like for our family? What traditions are we going to create? And you each bring traditions into that discussion and, and you have like some good conflict resolution going on as you wrestle those out and, 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 and some of them are really, really not worth arguing about. Say, yes, dear, we'll just do that. That sounds great. Um, but the truth is that traditions have the capacity to change and they have the opportunity to change. And... And in truth, this is the nature of transition. 
the nature of transition is that there will be changes that are beneficial, there will be changes that are difficult, and there will be the opportunity to change traditions. And see, as we transition from what was into the new, we must acknowledge that to move, to actually move, we will need to leave things that were good. My mom doing the dishes was a really good thing. When I moved out of home, I couldn't take that with me. I had to let go of that, even though it was really good. Mum's cooking, right? Mum paying for stuff. My, my income from KFC only having to cover my phone bill, which at that point in time was very cheap because all I had on my phone was like snake and, 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 and that didn't use much data, right? <laughs> who, uh, who knows, I still, I still call people on an attached phone, right? I had a five meter long cable that connected all the way to the kitchen, like phone point. I'm losing everyone under the age of 30 right now, but it went all the way. I, I taped it across all these door frames so I could have a phone in my room and talk in private. The teenagers, you think you've got it tough having your parents follow you on Snapchat. My mum could pick up the phone anytime in the kitchen and hear what I was saying on the other end. Rise. But I had to leave things that were good. Now, I got to leave things that were bad or things I perceived as bad, right? Like my mum's uh, curfew times. I got to leave those behind and I got to be like, well, I don't want to be in bed at 11, so I'm going to be in bed whenever I want. I learned that there was some wisdom in some of the boundaries that she had in my life, but, you know, I had to, I had to, I had to kind of find that out on my own. But I got to leave things I perceived as, as bad, having no, no clear pathway forward in the city that I was in to pursue purpose in my life, that wasn't a great thing for me as a teenager. You know, there was, there was a purpose on our lives and, and, and sometimes we have to leave a space that, that we can't see purpose occurring in to go and pursue purpose. And so I left that and that was possibly, you could say in some ways, that was a, that was a negative about, about Port Macquarie at that point in time. Like I said, it's changed now, it's great. But for me, I had to leave that to go, uh, I had to leave some bad influences behind. You know, there were some friends that weren't influencing me to do great things. I had to leave them behind and, and move forward. And lastly, I had to assess the viability of traditions. Which ones were going to survive beyond that shift? Which ones were I going to hold on to because they still cultivated for me the way in which I wanted to or the way in which I love share houses that do Christmas together, right? Like that was one of ours, our share house. We did Christmas together. We all did presents for each other. We did a big Christmas tree setting up thing. And, and we bought all of these traditions in, but we, we talked about, well, which ones still say Christmas to us in this moment? Which ones, which ones still, still bring, still carry weight, still carry purpose, still carry a reason behind them in our heart and aren't just what we used to do? And, and, and let's not just copy what we used to do because it used to do something. Let's ask ourselves, is that still facilitating what, what, what we think should occur in this moment in our lives? And when we look at the two scriptures that we covered this morning, what we see is that they are these key transitionary moments, both in the lives of the Israelites and, and in the very call of the disciples to shift from what they were, both what they were, the nation and what it was, and the disciples and who they were, to, to shift them into what God was calling them to be in both cases, whether it was God through Joshua calling the nation of Israel to move into the promised land, to be 
all that God had called them to be as his people of promise, or the disciples where they had the God incarnate, Jesus, right, in front of them saying, hey, come, come and follow me. They had some decisions to make. You see, that for the Israelites to transition, the disciples to transition, they each had to let go of things that were potentially really good, really good. But they each got to leave things that equally were were potentially bad for them, difficult for them. And they also all had to reassess certain traditions. You see, for the Israelites, they had to leave the, 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 the manna that God had provided for them. I mean, that was good, right? Like, like deliveroo to your door every night. Every night. Just, just Uber Eats, thanks for coming, God. Right? Here's some manna overnight. Go and pick it up in the morning. Eat it all day. You don't, you don't have to work. You don't have to toil the soil. You don't have to do any of that. I'm just going to, here you go, free food. I love free food. Right? Water. You're going to have a winch because we're thirsty. We're walking the desert. God's like, hey, let's go and hit the rock. I'm going to bring water. And you don't need to dig for it. You don't need to do anything for it. I'm going to provide water for you. When you're thirsty, there it is. These are good things, right? Like, this is awesome. I would love free food and water on tap. Oh, we have water on tap. But they had to leave a sense of familiarity. They knew how things function. They had been functioning this way for 40 years, and it was good, and they were comfortable. But they had to leave that. They had to leave what was good. Some of the things that we read in Scripture that they got to leave that was, that was bad. It says that God said through Joshua, today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. You see, the journey was meant to be Egypt, desert, promised land, very quick. The, the, the I've lost the word. It's all right. The remnant, the remnants of what Egypt meant for the Israelites Shame, slavery, bondage, hard work, punishment. It was, meant to, it was meant to be changed like that. They were meant to go from Egypt. We were straight into the promised land where God was going to be like, right, the moment you step foot into this place, this is who you are. We've, we've left all that. But they, they let fear stop them from stepping. And so they had 40 years of walking around, not fully detaching themselves from Egypt. And today was the day they got to do that. Today was the day they got to say, you know what? That really is finished. That really is done. We're not just in the transitionary space between Egypt and the promised land. No, today we have stepped on. We have moved on. And at that point, they were able to let go of, in fact, God said, I have done a work in you to remove to roll away any lingering shame, any disappointment, any fear of being exposed for what you were or what you used to do. None of that defines who you are anymore. Now that you have stepped into the promise, I am defining you once again as my people and you are not defined in any way by the shame of slavery, the pain of that journey, whatever negative element it held over the Israelites, God said today is the day you get to leave that today is the day you get to move beyond that they got to leave wilderness wandering they got to leave the promise 
of death for every fighting man. I mean, imagine that hanging over your head for 40 years. That before you were able to move on from that point, every single man who had been a part of the generation that let fear stop them was to die out before they were going to get another opportunity. That's, that, that, that's a significant thing to have hanging over your head for 40 years. And God said, hey, hey, today we're moving on from that. We're moving on from that. That's, that's done. That's in the past. I fulfilled it. We get to move on. If you're a man, you don't need to fear it anymore. Imagine being a man in Israelites and wondering, hey, like, am I, am I next? Am I going to, like, no, God said, no, you know what? We're moving on. That promise is not hanging over you anymore. Some things can be good and bad. Let's say manna, for instance. Who knows that Uber Eats every day is good, but if all you eat is KFC, you get over it. You get, I mean, I know that Cal Hoppy would probably disagree with me, uh, but the truth is, manna every day for 40 years, that's going to get old. I reckon that's going to start to taste a little bit like cardboard. I, I just, that's just me. Uh, I don't think I would enjoy eating the very same piece of white cornflakes, not Frosties, mind you, not with the, like the caked sugar, all right? No, like, that would get really, really old. And this is the moment that they are like, we get to leave manna behind. We, we, get, we get to eat of the buffet, right? Like we get to eat of the grapes that require two people to carry them on their shoulder. We get to eat of the land. And it's, it's very clear in Joshua that at that moment, they went and they got grain and they made bread. Who's happy that we get to have bread? I love gluten. It's awesome. <laughs> Give me some sourdough. Oh my goodness. But you know what? They've just gone from eating the same thing. every. We, we, as a staff and board, we prayed and fasted leading up to Vision. Can I tell you the greatest thing we ate at Vision Gala was that bread roll. <laughs> oh, my God. I was, I was just like, I cannot believe how good bread tastes when it is taken from you for like just seven days. They had no bread for 40 years. No bread. And they harvested grain. It's like, ha, 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 ha. So good. i got to keep going. And then there was traditions. There was traditions. They had to, they had to leave behind the fact, that, sorry, the way. You see, pr- traditions speak of process. Whether something is good or bad speaks of the outcome, but traditions speak of the process, the way of provision. They had to trust that God was going to provide in a different way because the way he had provided was going to change. His provision would always remain because that's good, he's true to his character, but the way was going to change. And that can be scary. The whole wilderness lifestyle, right? Now we've got a lot of people that love to go camping. It's a lifestyle. You've got all the gear, right? Like that's not necessarily me. I like hotels that they clean your bed and there's no sand in the bed and, and those sorts of things. But, but the whole wilderness lifestyle and the traditions that went along with that had to change. The way God had led them, fire, cloud, all of that, we see immediately that God begins to lead Joshua and the nation of Israel in a different way. And the pattern of worship. If you go back and you actually read Deuteronomy 12, Moses, before, before he passes away and hands over, kind of is doing his last message. And he says to them, listen, when you enter the promised land, the way in which you have worshipped in the wilderness is going to change. There's going to be a new way that you worship because, because we know that you are going to settle and you are going to build cities. And because of that, there is going to be places that you can come from every town and you can worship God in these places. It's not going to look the same. It's the same for the disciples, right? 
The disciples had a stable job. They had income. They had skill development, all targeted towards fishing. And it's like, those things are really good, but, but you know what? You've got to leave them behind. You've got to leave them behind. I might, I might utilize some of the skills you learn, like, like, like you know, being able to stay up all night for those all-night prayer meetings, or, 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 or maybe the fact that you understand how to, how to not rush fishing, how to be patient with someone in their journey towards meeting Jesus. I might use some of those skills, but you're going to leave behind a whole lot of good stuff when you come and follow me. Or maybe, maybe they got to leave behind some bad stuff, right? Like who knows that like commercial fishing, it's not, a, it's not the prettiest of jobs. It, it, it comes with certain smells um, that, that would be nice to, to leave behind and not smell like fish every day of your life. Or, or just the, the nature of manual labor and hard work all night long. When we meet Peter, it's, it talks about he has fished all night long, caught nothing. He gets to leave that behind. He gets to leave that behind fixing nets, those sorts of things, and traditions. They had to leave the family business. That's pretty significant. That's pretty significant. They had to leave behind everything that they knew about what a day or a week was going to look like in their life. As a commercial fisherman, they were like, this is, this is what we do and this is how we do it. I know what my day looks like. But Jesus is like, come and follow me. Well, what's it going to look like? Well, just, you just follow me. <laughs> Trust me in that space. Ultimately, they, they had to leave behind and reassess a whole lot of Jewish traditions, a whole lot of what actually formed the way they viewed life. And they had to leave behind everything that their father stood for. And more than anything, that represents a generational shift. And there is no way that we can approach the vision that God has put on this house and the recognition that we are shifting from one generation to another without, as a church, openly and honestly assessing individually for ourselves and collectively as a community, what things is God saying it's time time to move on from? Some of those things will be good. For instance, unless Pastor Keith and Janet are here in the house, they could be out, you know, they're they're out, gone. Now, we're not going to get Pastor Keith's preaching week in and week out like we used to. And that was good. I love that. I know my wife, it was one of the things that, that was a part of why she ended up coming to victory to begin with. He can teach the word in an incredible, that's an incredible thing. But God is moving us on from that. There are all sorts of things, good, bad, and simply the traditional way that we approach certain elements as a community that it's time to move on from, that it's time to move on from. And I felt very strongly in my heart this morning that God would be putting things on your mind. I've written here, what is it that God may be asking you to roll away so that you can step into the new? I know as an exec pastoral team, we're asking those questions as a, as a community, as, a, as, as what is victory? What does it look like to move into the new? But I can't ask those questions for each of you. I can't ask those questions for you as an individual, a part of our community. What is God saying to you that you need to move on from, let go of, 
if I can be so bold as to, to say that I believe that there's some people still holding on to the way we used to do church years ago. Locationally, functionally, God's not taking us back. God has a great future for us, but it doesn't look like what it used to be. It looks like what He is creating for us. And I'm telling you, He is a God that works all things together for good, and He has good in store for us in the future. But we cannot step in and receive the good if we are hoping to go back to what we thought was good. And just because it was good and we're moving on from it doesn't mean we suddenly define it as not good. It just it's just about us recognizing that there is good beyond as well. There's some people this morning and, and you, need to, you need to let God come and do a work in your heart because somewhere along the journey, there's been some, some situations some circumstances that have, have created pain and disappointment in you. And this is, this is like what Joshua said, or God said through Joshua, that he is rolling away the shame of Egypt. Shame is powerful because it tries to define us. Shame defines us by what happened to us rather than defi- allowing us to define ourselves by what God says we are. So we are defined by disappointment or we are defined by pain or we are defined by failure or we are defined by the the way in which we um, we're defined by the way we experienced those things. And God says, I want to bring healing because I, I need to roll away some things so that you can move forward, so that you can move forward. God's goal here is to move us into the new. Some of you, it's about letting go of what was good. But for some of you, you need a moment where God comes and and brings healing because you're carrying disappointment, you're carrying hurt, things haven't gone how you expected. In certain times, you're believing for something that didn't happen. Uh, There is a whole range of things that that could be, but I know right now that God is speaking to you. I know that He is speaking to your heart and He is reminding you of a moment right now that has begun to be like, it's like a, a thorn and it is stuck and it is causing constant pain in connection to church and God wants to come and remove and heal that so you can be a part of the nation of Israel as they move into the promised land. And lastly, lastly, it's, for some of you, it's a traditional thing. Certain, certain ways in which things were done. And traditions, you see, traditions are neither bad nor good, they're process. They're just process, and we can get stuck in process. We can get, we can get in a rut that is process, and anything that occurs outside of that, it just it makes us feel uncomfortable, and, 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 and we kind of get all of our defenses up, and we're like, oh, no, can't, can't. <laughs> and it's just because we're in a rut is because we're in a rut of tradition. And Jesus actually speaks to the Pharisees about tradition. He's like, listen, you're missing me because of tradition. You're missing Jesus because of tradition. And some of you, I'm not saying you're there, but I am saying that tradition is not your saviour. And what tradition does is it feeds expectation. and, and, And what happens when expectation is not met is it's an open door for disappointment and discouragement. 
And so we, 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 we inadvertently, we make tradition the path to get what we want rather than relationship with Jesus. And so and tradition can't do what Jesus can do. And we elevate tradition. Well, if I do this like this, how I've always done this, I'm going to get the outcome I want. No. Pursue Jesus. I don't believe that there is any right way to do things like pray, read your Bible. Some of you just need to change that up and you watch, there's going to be life come in because you're going to let go of tradition with the pursuit of Him. So I want to pray this morning for you right now because I really believe God's speaking to some people. I really believe that God's speaking to some people about letting go of the past. Stuff that was good. All sorts of things fit into that category. But you're so focused on the past that you can't see the future. You so want to go back that you can't see the significance of what God wants to move you into. And I don't know if that's you right now, but I want to pray. And if you're here this morning and that's you and you're like, I really feel that and I know what it is, it's coming to mind right now. I'm not going to call you to the front. We're going to do this in a way that is as COVID safe as possible. But I'm going to ask right now that everyone just bows their head for a moment. And if you feel like this is a word for you, we're going to go through all three. I'm going to pray three separate things. But if you feel like you are, you are stuck in what was because it was good, and you're like, it was so good, I just want to go back. Why can't we go back? Why can't it be like that? And God's saying, because I've got a greater future. Because I've got a greater future. And if that's you and you're in the auditorium, what I would like you to do is just simply just put your hand up while I begin praying, just like you're receiving that. If you're at home, I'm just going to ask that you would acknowledge by, by just putting your hands out, just as if you're going to receive something. You're kind of just, you're just giving something over to God. You're just like, okay, God, I want to let this go. I want, to, I want you to stir in me a belief that you're moving us into a better space and what was, was good, but it's not where we're going. And so, Father, right now, Holy Spirit, I pray for every person seated here in the auditorium or watching on from their home or from their phone, God, help us. Help us right now to give over to you those things that would try to anchor us in moving forward. Those things that were great those things that we celebrated, that we experienced, those high, high moments that we experienced that, that oftentimes we, we ache to revisit. God, I just pray that you would help right now to lift and to release those in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you would begin to form a picture right now in people's mind as to the, some of the things that you are moving them towards. God, that you would begin to stir in them a sense of expectation for the future, God, that that, that would begin to replace anything that is, that is trying to, uh, uh, the desire that is trying to take them backwards. I pray you would put in them an expectation to move to the amazing that you have in front of them, Father. And I pray that right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And for every person right now who, who it's, it's something actually that's painful. It's something that's, that's disappointing that 
that is, it's holding you in the past. And they're, they're, I'd go even as far as to say that somehow you feel ashamed about it. You feel ashamed because it happened or you feel ashamed because you were a part of it or you feel ashamed because you said to people it was going to happen, it didn't. I don't know what it is, but I know that all of those things are a part of it. Again, if you're here in the auditorium, why don't you just put your hand out. If you're at home right now, I, I would really encourage you to engage in this moment. I believe God wants to do what he did for the nation of Israel and roll away the shame of Egypt, of slavery. God, right now, Lord, you promise that you will not break a bruised reed, but that you will come around it and that you will bring healing and strength. God, I want to pray for every person right now who is watching or listening or here that is acknowledging to you that there is something in their past, Lord, that is painful and that they cannot disconnect from. Lord, I want to pray that your Holy Spirit would come and do far beyond what we could do in and of our own strength, I pray that you would come right now and roll away, wash away pain, disappointment, bitterness in the name of Jesus. God, those wounds of disappointment and discouragement and the shame that connects itself to those moments God, right now, I thank you for your healing power at work. I thank you that you are changing and releasing mindsets, Father. Places in people's thinking where they have become stuck in pain, stuck in bitterness, stuck in disappointment. And I declare right now freedom in the name of Jesus. I pray healing. Just come and and move in hearts. And God, I thank you that you do not define us by our past. God, you look at every person and your definition over them is that you are a son, you are a daughter, dearly loved and accepted. God, I pray that would resonate, that every person would know how loved how accepted that you do not see us by our mistakes or our disappointments. Or God, you see us cleansed and whole and forgiven and upright and righteous. And, and, and you see us strong and you see us filled with your spirit where there is life and joy and peace and hope and goodness and gentleness. And Lord, I pray right now that that Holy Spirit would begin bubbling up in people in the name of Jesus. And lastly, for anyone who feels like they're just, they're just stuck, <laughs> stuck in tradition, they're stuck in a rut of how they did things or how things should be done. 
and they, they, they get, they, they, they've got a feeling that is just like it's, it's uncomfortable because God is bringing change. God is bringing a transition and a shift. And there is uncomfortability that comes with that. There is a change to the way we did things and the way that we're used to. And for those of you who are feeling uncomfortable in that, it's so important. This is our culture to be authentic and to acknowledge There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no shame. God heals what is in the light. Or sometimes all we need to do is just be honest enough with God that, God, this is really uncomfortable. But I trust that you're my anchor. I trust that you're the unchanging one. And so if that's you and you're experiencing uncomfortability as our church shifts into the new and you're unsure of where you fit or you're unsure of how we're going to do things and and that's causing an angst, an anxiety, a stress, I want to tell you those are not from God. And He wants to bring peace where there's anxiety. So Father, right now, I want to pray for every person who puts themselves in that category right now this morning. God has acknowledged that before you. I just want to pray right now, that the peace that passes all understanding would come and fill their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. That their knowledge of you and your steadfastness would alleviate any stress or anxiety that comes from external circumstances, God. That you are their rock, that you are good, that you have not left them, that you are with them and with them always. In Jesus' name. Lastly, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, if you have not accepted him as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. For us, that that is the foundation stone. We believe that Jesus is who he said he is in his word. We believe he's the son of God, that he came to earth, he died on a cross. And when he did that, he purchased the forgiveness for everything that we have done in our lives that would separate us from a relationship with God. Everything that is that, that the Bible calls that sin. But we have forgiveness through Christ. And so if you want a relationship with Jesus this morning, I know if you're watching online, you can click on a little button right now that says you would like to pray with one of our pastors who's watching right now and is ready to pray with you. It says, I want to receive Jesus. I want him. I want a relationship with him. I want to know him. And I want him to come and direct my life. I want to pray for you. If you're here this morning, please come and speak to me after the service. I would love to pray with you. We're not going to ask you to come down the front or anything like that. But God, right now, for every person who is sitting, watching, that doesn't have relationship with you, I pray right now they would begin that journey. They would take that step. They would reach out. They would press that button. And they would say, I don't have it, but I want to know what it looks like. I want to know. I want forgiveness. I want to know God. I want to be able to know Him and for Him to know me. And so I just pray right now in the name of Jesus over every person that is making that decision in their heart and their mind right now. Amen.